Hey, Uncle John. Yeah. Why do people in Athens hate to get up early? I don't know why. Because dawn is tough on Greece. Oh. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Engaged Family Gaming Podcast. This is episode 195, and I'm your host, Stephen Dutzman. This week, I am joined by Linda Robel, and we're going to talk about board games. How are you? I'm doing well. Now that the summer is over and you're back to work, I think that means you'll be on the podcast more often because life doesn't make sense. Yeah, it's, how crazy is it that the schedule is easier during the school year and harder during the summer? It is literally facts because, I mean, we spent the entire summer trying to play Dungeons and Dragons and we never got to do it because no. between summer camp and you guys having a, a permanent campsite somewhere and like we were all, someone was busy every weekend with a vacation or something and go figure as we get into the holiday season, we will have more time. That's the weird part. That is weird. Yeah, it's super Consistent weird. schedules. Welcome to adulthood everybody so uh this week is board game week last week uh, in case you were uh, at all interested we talked a lot about gamescom myself and the princess of power um apologies for the audio issues we had a bit of a problem um but the, the man behind the curtain fixed it as best he could um so yeah, this week, it's back to school week. My kids were back as of Monday. Your kids were back as of Monday. Um, yes, and I am back to meetings, and my students come join me on Thursday, so in two days. Two days. You're back full speed. Full speed in two days. It'll full be fun. Yeah, I'm sure you're very excited. Um, <laughs> how many kids do you have in your classroom, assuming they all show up? Assuming they all are there, I have 19 on my roster, so I will not complain. Under 20 is not bad at all. Yeah, that's still that's still way more children than I want to be responsible for. <laughs> Guess what? That's why I'm not a teacher. We talked about this very briefly, um, and uh, we decided I do not have the temperament. Now, um, the, the the reason we bring up back to school um, is. Like, we all know, at least in North America, most kids have, like, a 57-week, it feels like, summer break. And while they are home, there is a, a bit of a drop-off, right? Like, that's just a proven fact that kids, like, lose some of the crap that they got the year before, right? And you have to spend right, some time catching them up. it's referred to as the, the summer slide. The, sl the summer slide. It's actually a thing. Someone should make a board game called the summer slide. I think that'd be kind of funny. Um, it'd be kind of dark, though, I'm sure. Um, so yeah, Just make it shoots and ladders. So Yeah, that's fine. We'll make it shoots and ladders. Um, nice and simple um, for all the kids that lost everything during their summer slide. So, um, so you, as a teacher, have to spend the first X number of days like catching everybody up. Um, and we are, I'm fairly confident that there's at least a few parents out there that would want to help. Um, and maybe playing some games might help in an entertaining way because obviously we don't want to like over teach or anything you know what i mean absolutely you don't it's a hard time of year for them getting into the routine and you want to keep it light yeah so i suggested this topic to you expecting that we would just like come to the microphone and like rap about it and maybe google some things and look up on amazon and of course guys that's not how this works Linda came to me with a full page um, because it's school supply season, so obviously Linda had a notebook. Clearly. Um, clearly. Um, I was at Teacher and Staples like 
filling yeah. the cart up. Of course, I mean that makes sense. Um, <laughs> so, um, what, let's just get right down to it. Um, well, before that, have you been playing anything fun recently? Have I been playing anything fun? I mean, we may as well have an impromptu around the horn. I have sure. not. All of my stuff have been video games. Um, and I will talk about many of those things next week when it is appropriate. But I'm very excited about what I've been playing. So we've played some things uh, fairly recently when we were up um, on the Cape for vacation. We had some quiet time in the at the house we rented in the evenings. And we got a couple things to the table. Um, one was a standard of, that I've talked about a bunch, Sky Joe. We just absolutely love that as a end of the day, don't need a lot of brain power. Um, game that we like to bring out mm-hmm. um, the one the new game that I got to bring out was this game goes to 11 from game right okay that was and the spinal tap looking one right that was the spinal tap looking one and that was a humongous hit on vacation it's another one not real complicated it took us a couple minutes to learn it plays really really fast um, and it was we played it and immediately said let's do let's play again shuffled and played again so um that one's a big hit and uh it's one that actually may or may not be on my list for later oh all right well how cool is that (laughs) look at that um it's topical you know we it is topical we this entire summer has been dominated for us by dungeons and dragons and i've talked about on other podcasts um this is one of those things where you know, we have uh, we are learning that not everyone is as engaged in it as other people. And one thing, and you've been you're part of our weekly, mostly weekly game. And I think one thing that we've kind of all learned is that it's totally cool to like let somebody take a day off. Right. Um, no, it's it's meeting them where meeting the player where they are. Yeah. Absolutely. So, and I think that that's something that can be applied to you know family game nights or. Dungeons and Dragons or, you know, whatever scheduled gaming event you have. Like, sometimes people just aren't feeling it. Um, and it's cool if the game group is just as open to that as possible. You know, we've given my my Jacob as much latitude as we can, right? Like, we don't we just don't force him to it unless right. he really wants to. And then because we just kind of roll to, with what's, it. Right, because if you're forcing somebody to come to the table, what's the point? Exactly. Um, although he keeps telling me that he wants to play this monk rogue um, and I think one of these days, I think next time he's going to have to, uh, because y- y'all are going to need help infiltrating this camp. He's yes, gonna, we definitely need, need somebody help. sneaky. Yeah, you definitely need someone sneaky. So, um, anyway, um, again, impromptu around the horn. We, yes. I have been inundated with video games this summer, which, hashtag first world problems. Um, Absolutely. But, oh, goodness, my wife just told me we've, uh, a game that we bought like a year ago and finally took it out of the shrink wrap um how could I forget the the general just comes from the darkness to save it we played fairy tile ooh you remember that one like took over Instagram for like a week yes and then everybody it went away so fairy tile is a tile laying game shocker from ILO it's for two to four players eight plus uh 30 minutes um although Meggie played with relatively Little problem. Um, the idea is that you are laying out these hex tiles that are made up of three hexagons kind of connected. So it's kind of like a triangle. Um, and they have different... There's rivers and plains and castles. 
And basically, on your turn, you can play out a tile or uh, move either the princess or the prince or the dragon. Um, and the idea is you have a deck of cards that are dealt out to you, um, and they have little quests that essentially, we called them quests, but they're essentially parts to a story. Um, and they'll say things like, and the princess saw the, you know, the princess and the, and the knight met in the dark forest. So they will, um, literally, um, the, the quest is completed if the princess and the knight, their pieces are in a forest. So if they are both in the same tile on the forest, then they, that you get to complete that. So you play that card out in front of you and then draw another one from your deck. And the idea is to be the first one person to complete um, their, uh, to complete their story. Um, so it's kind of like a neat storytelling game. You're not really being super creative to it, but the idea is every time you complete a quest, you're supposed to read the part of the story that's at the bottom. And ideally it kind of plays out kind of like an interesting story, albeit sometimes a little out of order. Um, the components are really cute. Um, the the figures that represent the princess and the knight and the dragon are really cool. Um, this game is also relatively inexpensive, which we all know you and I love that. Because um, mm -hmm. nothing like a Absolutely. good game that you don't have to pay a million dollars for. Um, for example, Fairy Tile. I mean, it's about 25 bucks on Amazon right now. Okay. Um, so not super expensive. Um, and yeah, it's really cute. Uh, it's got like, you know, it's got this really cool, like Disney princess aesthetic to it. And like I said, the miniatures are really cool. Um, so that's fairy tile. How could I have forgotten that? Well, we played it. And like I said, it ages down pretty well. M Megan is relatively advanced as a reader for six, I think. Yes. Um, thank you. I can verify the, that. Thank you. You're, you are the expert. I am not. Um, so I know she's pretty advanced. However, um, she it took a little bit of time, maybe two or three turns, and then she got the strategy down. So I suspect okay. um, that at the very least, the aging is accurate. <laughs> if not, maybe right. a little bit aggressive, you know, maybe a little bit uh, conservative. So right. you know your She's also an experienced me. gamer. She is true. It is true. That makes a difference. Um, as are, I would suspect, many of the, the children of parents who listen to this podcast. However, true. you're right. If you have a game-savvy kid that can read a bit, then they can probably play this even younger. Um, so that's Fairy Tale by Aiello. Um, yeah, it's a big hit. Uh, Maggie has wanted to bring it out. We've just haven't had the time because we've been getting ready for school. But I suspect that will change. And I suspect the next time we all hang out. Uh, we mm. will for board game time, which go figure we couldn't do it at all over the summer, but now we'll have time. Um, we'll, we will uh, break it out. So, um, yeah, impromptu around the horn. Um, but I suspect our topic is going to take a little bit of time. So why don't we take a break and then we'll come back and we will talk about games that teach stuff. Hey everybody, this is Steve, I'm the host. If you like listening to this podcast, you probably like some of our other content too. You can find that all over social media, so make sure to head over to facebook.com slash engagedfamilygaming. Perhaps you might like to see some stuff on Twitter by going to twitter.com slash E-F-G-A-M-I-N-G. Or maybe you just want to head on over to Instagram and look for Engaged Family Gaming there. See you later guys, bye now. 
Hello, everybody, and welcome back. Our big topic today is back to school, specifically games that teach stuff. <laughs> so, um, Linda, you are the literacy professional. It's true. Um, you know a little bit about teaching kids how to read. Just a, a thing bit. Or t- a thing or two. Just a little bit. You've done, yeah, you, you have some <laughs> experience in this topic. Um, yeah. So, you've gone through the internet. You've gone through the Engage Family Gaming website uh, because there is actually an article about uh, you know games that teach you how to read uh, or that can teach kids how to read on our website. Um, but you have uh, some thoughts and feelings on this. So, Linda, uh, tell me about the first game. All right, so the first one I've got is a really cute game called Zingo, and it's a spinoff on Bingo. And what it is, there's a contraption that comes with the game that you have these tiles, you put the tiles in, and then on when it's, um, there, one of the players pushes down, tiles come out, and players have to take them and place them on their bingo board to, take, to make matches or to be building words, depending on the version. That's the nice thing with Zingo. There are multiple versions of it. Um, there is versions with let, just learning letters. There's versions with sight words. And there's um, another version that's got... Uh, three-letter words, and you're trying to build letter words. I believe there's also some math ones. There's they've got a bunch of different versions for academic things, which is really nice. So this is a nice one to have for beginning readers, uh, early elementary age. Okay, cool. All right. Okay, and what's the next one? So the next one you may want to talk about because you have a fondness for this one, Letter Tycoon. Oh my God! Oh wait, I haven't done this one in a while. <clears throat> <laughs> Letter Tycoon is awesome. I don't want to yell because my kids are trying, pretending to sleep. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, let's talk about Letter Tycoon. So uh, why don't you take the lead on that? Because that's something that I have actually, I think, of maybe played once with you, if that. So okay. you are definitely well, the Letter Tycoon I, I definitely want your, your thoughts on, like, ages and stuff like that afterwards. But so here's what Letter Tycoon is. It's a cross between, like, Scrabble and Monopoly. The, the Monopoly piece is that as you are playing out words from your hand, you're earning money, then you have to use that money to buy the patents to different letters so that anytime someone else uses that letter, you also make money so that you can buy more patents. And the idea is to be the person with the most, um, with not the most money, but to have the highest value number of patents at the end of the game. Um, I love it. I love the aesthetic. It's got like an antique, like retro vibe. Um, it is very accessible um, because you're not you're you're playing cards with you're you're essentially trying to build a word with the cards that you have. So your options are somewhat limited. Um, I like it, and you know even building short words is okay because it still gives you money. You know what I mean? Right. Like whereas. In, with you know Scrabble and stuff like that, they really encourage you to build long, complex words and board placement matters. Here, you have cards. Even a little word is sometimes the best you got, and it'll help you get some stuff going. So I am a huge Letter Tycoon fan. Where do you think this fits in? So because it's coming up with words just from the abstraction of letters, the Breaking Games lists this as eight and up, and I think for many kids that's a really solid age because you need to have a wealth of words that you know how to spell. Okay, fair. Um, 
if you have a child that is an advanced reader or is an advanced writer, this could scale down. But what I've noticed with the games where they have to just pull these out from the abstraction, just from you know a mess of cards, it can be really challenging. Some kids are really good at seeing a word when they're given random letters, but it's hard for many. I have a hard time with that sometimes. So I think the eight and up is a good ballpark and you know scale down if you think that they're really if they're really strong with the literacy part they might be able to handle it but it's it's challenging to pull that out this is gonna be for the older kids definitely this isn't for the the very beginning reader this is sort of the they're a okay reader and this could reinforce some of the spelling and some of the word building okay all right so um, fair That's enough. My two cents. Listen, I, I I love having it on that list. This is a you know it's one it is a great game. So yeah. All right, next one um, is from Northstar Games, and it's Blurble, and this one is super fun. This is you have pictures, and the card gets flipped over, and you need to say a word that starts with the same letter as the object in the picture. And it's harder than you think. Okay. So even though with Blurble that you're just saying it, you're not creating a word, you're just looking at it and saying, okay, the picture is a pineapple, so I need to come up with a different word that starts with P. Okay. You're trying to do it quickly. It's hard to come up with a word sometimes quickly because it could be any word pretty much. Yeah. Um, you know, they do have the rule that once a word's used, you don't use it again. So, you know, they does it does make it a little hard, a little harder. Um, that's also rated eight and eight and up for that. I think this can scale down a little bit more, but not much. I tried playing it with a five year old, thinking, oh, there's no reading involved. It's just they know that they know what letter sounds are, and it it was a struggle. It was yeah. way harder than I thought it would be. And again, it kind of comes from you know pulling things out of the the abstract, right? Because Correct. You're, yeah. So if I just said, if you just had to say, what's it start with? That's more concrete because it's not coming up with a different thing. It's not looking at a pineapple and coming up with peanut. Yeah, I don't think I can do that. Um, it, it's it's harder than it sounds. It's a great for getting different words. And one thing that Blurble has that is, I just thought it was super cool. There's a whole booklet that comes with the game of different ways to use Mm -hmm. the cards in educational ways. So it's story starters um, for different phonics skills, grouping words by, you know, Mm -hmm. if they start with a digraph, if they start with, you know, a blend, if, you know, so you can do a lot with this beyond just the normal game. Yeah, absolutely. You know what? I remember being at um, Toy Fair with you when we kind of encountered this game the first time. Right? You were with nope. me. I was not. That was the. I went was last. I was there time by I myself. That. You were there by yourself. You came back and he okay. basically handed this to me, and I flipped out. In my okay. So all right. No, I'm misremembering it. But you you've met Bruce from North Star, right? Yes. Okay. So yeah, I got to meet him. When okay. We went I'm remembering talk- when I sh- introduced you to him and you ta- immediately talked about Blurble. That's what I remember. So <laughs> never mind. Um, I knew the minute I saw this game, that this was going to be one of your jams. Um, and I was so glad that I was able to, you know, take a copy home and get it to you. Um, just because it, man, is it so simple? 
Um, it's unfortunate that it didn't do as well for North Star Games as I think they had hoped. Um, however, um, it is still available, I do believe. It is. It's on Amazon. If you went to the Amazons, it is for nineteen ninety nine currently yeah, on Amazon. Bucks. And also, I've seen it at Target a few times, uh, so I know it's one of those, uh, one of those things. So, yeah, Blurble, I definitely recommend that. And it also plays out like a party game too. I mean, there's a lot of uses for it, but yeah. So, uh, what else you got? So I've got. A spot it game, a specific spot it game. Okay. So spot it has a bunch of different versions. Mm-hmm. There is one called Basic English. Okay. And in this version, instead of matching two pictures, there's a picture and there's a word. The word to match it. Okay. So this gets some of that early literacy, early reading. Now it's you have to find the picture and the matching word. So it just gives it that little more challenge than just finding the two pictures. Okay. Um, man, I don't think I could play that game. I struggle with Spot It just in general. Right. Um, I am regularly beaten by small children while playing Spot It. I think Maggie would love this because she is a good reader. Yeah, and she's so, really good at Spot It. And she's really good at it. So like something as simple, I mean, they're not complicated words. It's just naming the object. So if there's a moon, they have to find the word moon. They see a picture of a kite, they have to find the word kite. So it's nothing really complicated. So definitely something approachable for early readers. Um, probably looking at some of the words like first grade, second grade would be the target age for the, the reading level on this. Okay. Or terrible at games nearly or 40 terrible at games and Right. If you're looking strictly at reading level, that's that's that. But Oh, you weren't judging my skill as a gamer. You were... You were I was I sh- going... I'm, academic. Okay, good. All right. So academically, I think I'm I'm better than a second grader. Um, yes, your um, readability is above these words for sure. I would presume. <laughs> um, okay. So any other reading suggestions? I have sort of a, a category um, I lumped a couple into. Um, Boggle, Scrabble, and Bananagrams. Okay. I know those are three vastly different games, but Boggle and Scrabble are kind of oldies but goodies. Okay. Um, and then Bananagrams, I haven't played it. I've watched it a little bit, but it, my understanding is it's it's Scrabble, but a little more freeform. It's Scrabble without the board is really what it is. Like, rather okay. than worrying about making sure you spell out a word specifically so that it lands on the tile or on the space on the board so that you get most points, you're just, you know, you're just trying to get rid of your 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 tiles so um and at any time you can just scramble it up and start over um so now i I actually prefer bananagrams to all of those because at the end of the day you know we've talked about it before at the end of the day it's a pile of stuff right um and you can choose what to do with it and it's just a bunch of letter tiles with really very few frills because you know they come in a bag that's shaped like a banana which um, is fun for kids. Which is absolutely fun. And you know what? I've played Bananagrams plenty. I played it with uh, the people at the at the booth at Toy Fair, uh, at my very first Toy Fair. Um, the, the thing about Bananagrams, you played them one, you played them all. I mean, they have one with, like, wild tiles that are, like, wild cards. You know, they have some that are much simpler, that have more common letters and more vowels, so you can make simpler words. Mm-hmm. Um, that's meant for kids, and also the tiles are a little bigger. Um, Bananagrams is great. This is one of those, especially if you have kids that like, you know, touchy feely kind of stuff. Um, 
Bananagrams is one of those games that you can absolutely have. What you, The word that I used is inappropriate, and you smiled. What am I saying? You're trying to say a kinesthetic learner. Yeah, if you got one of those, <laughs> um, Bananagrams is amazing. Also, if you got a kid that just likes to play with letter tiles, you know what I mean? It's true. It, it's easier to carry around Bananagrams in your purse than Scrabble. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I have we have a version kicking around in our game cabinet of a Scrabble Junior, which is nice because it gives you the words and you're just matching. Yeah. So it's nice. And Boggle has a Junior version too. So, you know, even these oldie but goodie games, they do have some Junior versions that are good for kind of getting the the little ones' brains fired back up, and they can scale it up for the older kids that just need to get their brains back into school for reading and everything. But. All right. As you see, my, my first grade is showing that most of the literacy things were for the little is. Well, I think it's also possible that that's where they're probably going to need the backup, right? Like, at for least some of the these kind skills, of backup that could be restored in a game. Right. Um, I think, you know, at higher levels, it's probably, you know, you got to get reading. <laughs> right. And it's that's a just, little bit different. Right. You should be reading your books and even just games that have more reading involved, it's going to reinforce it. So Absolutely. So and I most think... games, oh, yeah. Well, most harder games, more challenging, geared for older players or older children playing, there is more reading. So it kind of incorporates it in naturally. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I agree with you. Um, and even if I didn't, I would trust your expertise because you know a few <laughs> things about this. Um, so now let's venture into a topic that is neither of our favorite which is games that teach math. Because <laughs> um, this is another How did you area. you know I just had professional development on new math resources? Be- because, you ju- you, because you just started meetings yesterday, so of course they're going to talk to you about resources for new math. Duh. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Isn't that like, the, 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 like the, the first thing you do? They're like, hey, say hello to everybody, and then B, here's, here's new, new math stuff. Um, so let's talk about math because I think this is another area where the the summer slide probably kind of hits people just because I mean you, if you're not practicing you just lose it because you're not yep. at the point where you because especially with younger kids they're not at the point where they use the math that they use every day right I mean how often do you do mixed number fraction addition I mean me personally yeah. <laughs> almost almost never right. but were I like an engineer or something maybe I'd use it a Might little be bit a more story. But, right. you know, I none push papers. These, yeah, none of the ones I came with include that kind of complicated level of math. Thank you. <laughs> but it does get the brain going. Okay. Um, so what so you got? We, so we found, um, it's not a brand new game, but a game from um, GameRight that's been sitting on our shelf for a little while. We took it to Maine this summer and just loved it. It's called Zeus on the Loose. Zeus on the Loose. That's a GameRight mm-hmm. game. That is GameRight. Have you actually played that one? I have not. I just know that the the name is fun. It is fun. So this is a super simple game. There's a little Zeus figure and a deck of cards. And all you're trying to do is take the pile of cards and have it add up to 100. And if you make it come to 100, you get a letter. And it's just on a scrap piece of paper. You're trying to build the word Zeus to win. That's it. it It's very simple. But the math on it is it you have to use quite a bit of mental power on it it's basic adding single digit numbers for the most part um so you just add you know if there's a five you add a nine to it okay now the new total is 14 so nothing super complicated for math 
but there are God cards, the Greek gods, and they will take the pile to 50, subtract 10, add 10. You get to take the Zeus figure and there's benefits to having the Zeus figure. So it's just, it's a cute game, easy to learn, fast play, and you have to do addition and subtraction. All right. Uh, I would be terrible at this game, I think. Um, I was surprised that Eli, I mean, he's only seven, and he was keeping up with the computation. So. All right. Was, well, all right. So maybe, I, maybe I'd be a little bit better. Be okay. I think I'm just a little intimidated. I think I'm intimidated by the speed, uh, but I'd probably be okay. I could probably handle 50 and 10 and, and all that, probably. Um, okay. So, um, but, but it, it, I'll let you have faith in me. Um, and I'll just be <laughs> hesitant. Um, what else we got? We have Roll For It. I mean, and I love Roll For It. This is, you know, math on this is super simple. It's number matching. Yeah. No, man, I love that. I mean, it's, I mean, th- that game is so simple. It's so simple. Uh, it's so portable. And I'm going to throw out a math word. I'm going to have the math teacher moment. Okay. It is encouraging subitizing. Okay, what? <laughs> Okay, as John speaks off in the distance uh, that I'm making up words. No, this is not a made-up word. Subitizing is where you can look at a group of dots or a group of objects and know immediately how many are there. So if you roll a die that has pips on it and it has, you can look at it and immediately know, oh, that's three. Oh, that's five. That's subitizing. So gamers do it all the time. (laughs) I did not make that up. I'm being yelled at that I made it I, up. I, I mean, listen, I kind of <laughs> believe you made it up too, but I'm gonna assume that you would that you would have told me that you made it up by now if you actually did. So, I mean, the other thing, I mean, with roll for it, the other, th- I mean, there's also you know a, a little bit of light probability that you're mm-hmm. not really thinking about while you're doing it. You know, um, yeah, no, I, I, you know what, this that is a game because I deliberately you took the picture of your notes and sent them to me. And then I actually d- decided not to look at it. Um, I, for fairness, I absolutely could have read it. Your handwriting is not my level of bad. <laughs> um, but I decided that I would let you surprise me a little bit. And this is one that I didn't think would ever be there, but it totally makes sense. Also, it's like almost no money. Yes, it is very inexpensive. I want to say it runs generally around $10. Yeah. And if you get the different color boxes... Mm-hmm. Um, you can play it up to what, like eight, eight people? Yep, it makes it one box is up to four players. By adding the second box, it takes it to eight. And so, and that, if you don't want to get, yeah, oh, and there's an app. But and there's it, an app. The two different color boxes are interchangeable if you only want one. So don't like panic. It's not like one is players one through four, the other's five through eight. No, it's they're just different colored dice. It's largely the difference. Yeah. No, it's. It's a great one, and the app is a fantastic one to have because we've done that more than once, like waiting in line. The kids can pass it back and forth, and it's just a great a great thing to have. So yeah. and the app goes on sale periodically. Oh, man. So. I might have to take a look at that. All right, so yeah. what's next? All right, next we have another one from GameRight. GameRight actually has a lot that does have a math theme, um, and that is Too Many Monkeys. Too many monkeys. I know that game. Too many monkeys. You got to put numbers in order, and that's a math skill. Being able to do the sequencing the numbers. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. 
Very simple I mean, game, it, too. It's a very simple game. I mean, that would be probably, if you're looking for math skill, the pure math skill is probably like kindergarten, early first grade, um, even a little bit of pre-K. But as a game, it's, you know, it's that simple reinforcing the sequencing. Um, that's another game that's actually I have in my classroom. And the kids can play it. And they absolutely love that. Um, yeah, you know what? We found that by we found that game by accident a long time ago, and it's one of those games that like they'll the kids will forget it exists for like a business quarter, and then all of a sudden it'll come out and then it'll get played nonstop for like a month, and then they'll put it away. Um, but I I completely understand. Makes total sense. Putting some numbers mm-hmm. in order. Very simple stuff. Also, who doesn't love games about monkeys? It's true, and it's so cute. All right, next one, I'm going to go in the game right thread for right now, is their new, one of their new ones. This game goes to 11. Okay. It's another adding one. It's similar to Zeus on the Loose as far as you're putting down cards and adding the pile. Um, This one generally doesn't have subtraction in it. Um, So if this game goes to 11, it's got a rock star spinal tap like very light theme the theme is definitely light it's there it's present on the card backs it's present with the number the card the numbers on the card are showing like the dial of the amp the amplifier and it changes color as it gets amplified higher and higher and the cards are zero to eleven yeah zero and the eleven card have special abilities other than that you're just you're literally just making a pile of cards and adding the cards. If you equal 11 exactly, if your card makes the pile equal 11, you get to hand it to the player of your choice. If you can only put a card down and it goes over 11, you have to take the pile. The zero card resets the pile to zero. Or if you play the 11 card, you immediately, the pile is considered being 11, regardless of what's underneath it. But the zero card can also negate that. Oh. That's basically like a dope card. So, like, it turns off the amp. Correct. And we don't want it's that. A quiet li- it's a quiet librarian saying, shh. Oh. It's really cute. Um, there is also a variant to it. It comes with a guitar pick, and you can... The variant is the guitar pick passes every time... The pile reaches 11, yep. and the guitar pick indicates who gets the pile. Oh. The object is the game, of the game is to have the fewest number of cards when the pile runs out, when the when you run out of cards. Okay. So you don't want to be getting those. Yeah, you definitely don't. Um, I played a couple of hands of that at Toy Fair with Nora. Yes. And it looked cool. I'm glad that you uh, got a hand on it and, and uh, enjoyed it. So um, what else you got? So I've got one more, and it's, I'm going to say talk about it briefly because I've mentioned this one a bunch, is Sky Joe. That's my okay. last one. And that one is you have a field of 12 cards, and they're upside down, and you flip mm-hmm. over three at the beginning of each round, and you're trying to get the lowest score of the round. And the game ends it takes multiple rounds. The game ends when you get to uh, when somebody reaches a hundred points, and the person with the lowest score wins the game. Um, in this game, you've got cards from negative two to twelve, and okay. 
So you're trying to get rid of the high value cards and get the low value cards. Um, okay. What's really neat on this is it's got negative numbers. We introduced it to, um, I think Eli was five or six when we introduced him to it. Okay. He just treated it as a subtraction card. Okay. Because he doesn't understand the concept of negative numbers. That's not taught till older grades. So for older grades, it's a good reinforcer of negative and positive numbers. For the little kids that are exposed to subtraction, they can treat it just as a takeaway. Wow. All right. So, okay. Yeah. And okay. you're adding your hands. So again, it's it's light math, but it's still some math. But that's the kind of stuff that you know that needs the reinforcement want. because some of the right. stuff eventually just needs to be mental math. As you uh, use the term uh, like half a dozen times on Monday at our Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> game, where you were making the children do making the, the children math, do math. You're making them do their math. I'm um, so mean, making them do their addition. Yeah, making them do, making them actually do it instead of just saying, uh, "What's eight plus six and then just staring at you blankly. I was like, Isaac, you're not getting away with that. <laughs> you're not getting away with that. Kid. I have more patience than you, yeah. child. Yeah, exactly. We can hold this game up. Um, so I want to add a few. Um, okay. Speaking of, um, you know, Dungeons and Dragons, I would like to add Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, there's um, so much. Oh my god. There's a lot of um, yeah. I mean, that's the, the reality. Is every time you try to do a thing, there is light math involved, um, and it's always different numbers, and um, it's a controllable range of numbers, which I kind of like. Right, you know, like yes. so, um, so Dungeons and Dragons, um, if you are so in, or other dice-based role-playing games, are certainly on some of that list because you know between the simple math, like the simple arithmetic, but also things like probability that you're kind of learning a little bit, but without really thinking about it, um, kind of gives. I, I, I like that because it gives like a frame of reference for down the line. Um, also, it's fun. It um, is fun. Uh, some uh, another thing that I would like to uh, talk about is uh, Pokemon and Magic: The Gathering. Um, both of these are games that, at their core, involve simple math, right? You know, power, toughness, um, you know, true. dealing damage, um, counting up your mana and resource management and things like that. All that stuff um, is math. It's you know, and it's it's hidden, so you're not really thinking about it. Um, and I think that's probably. Uh, something that you and I are this that's kind of what this is all about right it's kind of a, a spoonful of sugar to help the medicine go down right. um so I, I would like to add those two to the pile or that, those are great ones those are great ones to add in um and just to kind of dovetail with that honestly even with some of the little kids if you just have a pile of dice at home and you want to have them roll two of them and just like play around roll two how much is that Roll three. How much? Mm -hmm. How much is that? It can just be just fooling around. Doesn't even have to be, you know, anything really formal. I uh, no, I agree absolutely. These are, um, you know, at the end of the day, these games we play, they're piles of stuff that we can do whatever yes. we want with. So, um, last category. So we did reading, we did math. Let's go to the last category. Um, which is like, th this one's a little different. It's social studies and history. Okay. It's a little bit of a catch-all. I wanted to come to this one because I wanted to hear what you had to say on that one. Because this is one of those areas where, you know, we're, we're really, it feels, my guess is this is going to be a little bit more like tangential learning. Like giving them the hooks and letting them go off and figure out what they get excited about. But maybe I'm wrong. Um, what do you got for me? 
So there's kind of a range here. So the okay. first one I've got is the timeline series of games. Where you are... So there's different different versions of this game. So there's Timeline Inventions, there's Timelines mm -hmm. History, Timelines America. So whichever one you've got, you've got cards that have different events, I believe. Mm -hmm. And you have to put them into order of when they occurred, and then you're trying to check and see if you've got them in the correct order. Okay, yeah. Did I summarize that correctly? You did, in fact. You did. Fantastic. Timeline. That's one I have not played, but I've heard so much about these. Oh, uh, so it's, you know who you know who loved that game? Uh, she was, the, uh, no well, she who needs no title, but also The Professor um, was a big Timelines guy also. Both of them um, have sung that game's praises. And this is one of those games that's not, you know, like... You can play it in mixed company, um, right. and it works out. And by mixed company, in this case, I mean kids and adults, because we think we know all this stuff, but we do not. <laughs> right. No, and there's a lot of nuances that you don't realize go into events over time. Yeah, absolutely. So, and this um, is this is exactly like you said, the tangential learning because. You know, you may not realize, oh, this came before, and it might spark an interest to delve deeper. Absolutely. So, and similar with that, um, another one that's a bit of tangential tangential learning. It's been a long day. Um, <laughs> a classic gamer game, Ticket mm -hmm. to Ride. Yeah. Because you are learning geography. And... Just by having to look at the map and notice where the different routes are, where your different destinations are, you are becoming familiar with whatever map is in front of you. So the version we have at home is just the classic version that has the continental United States and a little bit of Canada. But with there's Europe, there's different European ones. There's one that I think is New York City. Yep. So there's there's different locations, and so like I'm not really familiar with a lot of the nuances of the geography of, say, Europe, but that might be a way to just become more familiar with it. So, and again, spark an interest in the area. Yeah, no, absolutely, man. Ticket to Ride is one of those. It's so good, and it's like it is. It's like so there, right? Like this is one of those. If you play board games, like you have to own a copy of Ticket to Ride, and like that. I mean, we've played, I think, you, I know I've played like four or five different versions of it. All of them feel fresh to me. Um, and yeah, learning that geography and, you know, kind of learning about that like early railway, railroad baron age is kind of neat. Right. So it ties into some of the history too. So you can talk about the expansion and how they, you know, link the two railroads and like you can really get into that if, if there's an interest. Yeah, absolutely. So another one that's got geography in it, and it actually yeah. has a cross-curricular link to literacy, which is always a bonus for me, yeah. is Scrambled States of America. This is another... Um, another game right joint. Game right, yep. Game yeah. right's getting featured a lot in this. And with this one, you are, you've got cards that have attributes of the states, and you're trying to meet certain criteria depending on what's been put down so it's depending on population size, square miles, mm -hmm. things like that. So it's getting you aware about some of the features about the states, which is pretty neat. Awesome. And yeah, and the book that goes that the game was inspired by, the book's been out for almost 20 years, I think. 
And I mean, it's just a silly book where the states don't want to be in the, their location. <laughs> That's I why mean, it's, it's scrambled. It's, it's scrambled because the states want like literally mix up. It's a super cute book. If you have little kids, I highly recommend that that book. It's so cute. Um, they it just gets you thinking about where they belong in the geography of the country. So sure. it's kind of fun. Um, very lighthearted. So absolutely. That, that's and one that I really enjoy. Lots of kids end up getting, like a, a lot of kids are taught where states are and what the states, you know, like that national geography is an important thing. Um, giving them a heads up on that will, will absolutely help your kid in oh, some kind of quiz and or test. Um, right. Also with like being an adult, because it's useful to know what states are where. Um, if for nothing else, just for like, you know, citizenship. But so don't take this for granted, folks. Grab the game, teach your kids. <laughs> you'll get you'll get them a good grade on a quiz at least. It will only help them out and cuz you know it's coming. Yep, you do. Um, you do. Um, and there's another one the game right just put out more recently. They put out a roll and write geography game. Mm-hmm. I, I saw write. that one. Yeah. It is sitting in my cabinet. The funny thing is I've had friends over and they played it and I haven't. <laughs> Listen, what did they say about it? They really liked it. It was a little, they had, it took a little bit to figure out um, because it was brand new, obviously to everyone. Um, But they really seemed to like it. It was, they found it challenging. And the idea is you're going through, you've got seven dice and you're trying to fill in your map based on the numbers you roll with the dice. And there's, I'm, I'm assuming because there's colors on the map and colors on the dice that those go together. Um, they really seem to like it. So it's one that I'm looking forward to trying, but it also brings up the different geographical regions. Um, the states are the states are represented. They're more blocky. On yeah, the this map is definitely there. a little bit more abstracted than, say, like an actual map. Right, but it's at least, again, drawing your awareness to the different regions of the country. So... And it's a roll and write, which is definitely the popular style in board games lately. Man, listen, it is the the roll and write, the wave of roll and writes <laughs> is just catching us all. It's just catching yeah. us all. But all right, so what else? Anything else? I got one more, and one it more. is a completely different flavor. Okay, I'm, this is I'm not here for, for the little kids. Okay. And this is one that you had actually recommended on the Games That Teach History article back in the day. Okay. The Grizzled. The Grizzled. Yeah, a little dark. A little dark. Not for the kids. Not for the little kids. Definitely could be, you know, I think upper middle school, high school, when they studied World War I. Yep. Or in anticipation of studying World War I. Um, What I like with it is it's not... It's not smacking you in the face with violence. It's implied. Yeah, it's def- heavily implied. But... <laughs> it's heavily implied, but it's not in your face, which I appreciate. And what really struck me when I played this with some friends was you got the feeling of that, just the struggle to get through, uh-huh. which was so quintessential of World War One, like just trying to get through and struggle with you know everything that had happened with it. And trying to get through, you know, survive. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of terrifying. Um, it is. The grizzled. I mean, I love the card, the the art on the cards. One thing, one thing that I do particularly care about it is it, that that I particularly like about it is that it is a cooperative game. 
Um, which highlights some of the themes there. You know, I mean, this is World War One is one of those things that none of us will ever really grasp, and hopefully, the world never will understand again. And I think that the Grizzle does as good of a job as you can illustrating some of that without, you know, like in as palatable a way as possible. And so, no, I I agree with you. This is also a twenty dollar game. That is not a light topic. And i pulling directly from my quote. This is not a, by no means a light topic. Uh, so parents and teachers should tread carefully. Um, but World War One is important. Um, and it's a tragic event. And you may as well use whatever resources you have to kind of encourage kids to learn it. So, no, I agree with you 100%. The Grizzled um, is a good choice. But definitely not for the younger kids. Yes. The nice thing, though, is because the cards are subtle it can be played with them in the area yeah. and it will frighten them. Yeah, no, exactly. That was something nice. We played it in an area where the kids were kind of coming in and out and I wasn't worried about them glancing at my hand and being upset by it. So the nice thing is you wouldn't want to play this with little younger kids, but you don't need to make sure they're in bed. Yeah, you don't you need to hide it away. Mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely. So, so in that kind of environment. So. All right. So that's our list of games that we that you recommend to um and we know there are way more than this um but these are your recommendations for some games to help jog the memory uh for our kiddos uh almost all of them are available on the amazon so definitely take a look if you check out the show notes i actually linked to three articles on engagefamilygaming.com where we also link other resources for games that know how that for are for teaching reading and language skills and math and also history um, they give some other examples. Um, some of them, Linda uh, has uh, Linda agreed and gave the stamp of approval, um, <laughs> which is super important to me, um, being that she's the educator and I am the board game dork. Um, so, um, yeah, I'd love to hear what you guys think. So we're going to go ahead and share this in the community as well. So if you head on over to engagefamilygaming.com slash community, um, give us your suggestions. What games do you think you could... Uh, sneak in to help uh, sneak some learning in. So, uh, Linda, let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to have a community question. All right. Hi, everyone. This is Steven Dutzman. I'm the host of this podcast. Engaged Family Gaming is supported on Patreon. So, if you like what we do and have a dollar to spare, head on over to patreon.com slash engagedfamilygaming and pledge. Every dollar helps. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Engaged Family Gaming Podcast. This is still episode 195. I'm still Steven. I'm still here with Linda, and we're still talking board games. So uh, we had a reader question. Great. Um, And so this week, the question is, um, so the, the school year is coming. Well, it's here. Uh, or it is here. Least, it is not coming. <laughs> well, for us, it's here. There's still. I've talked to a bunch of folks uh, whose kids are going back after Labor Day, which I've I, our, my kids haven't gone back after Labor Day in years, if ever. But um, this, the beginning of the school year is upon us. Um, and the question was, what are some games that we can pick up for our children that they could bring with them for indoor recess? 
Now, you and I actually, this is not a surprise question. I told you this at the top of the show. So, and you advised that I should add some legalese to the top of this. <laughs> um, and so I will do so in my best uh, Micro Machines guy impre- impersonation. Um, all of our suggestions will be made under the assumption that the teacher is okay with it. This is not a Micro Machines thing. This is just me being. So, first, you should ask the teacher if it's okay. Many of them will say no, but if they happen to say it's okay, um, then uh, then you should also check with your school's policies regarding bringing outside belongings because that may be against the rules. Um, and you should also talk to your children about not causing a disturbance with their things, not during indoor recess, because then it will be taken away and put in that drawer, which I'm sure you have a drawer that's like just a black hole. You mean the June drawer? Yeah, the June drawer. The, the stuff June that... drawer. They see it again in June. Yeah. Because <laughs> so I'm that mean teacher. You're, you definitely are. Um, we <laughs> lost a board game last year because Jacob brought ninjutsu into class, and uh, he forgot to get it back, so it's gone. I'm sure oh, we could no. get it. I'm sure we could get it back if we really tried, but it's $10, so we'll just like right. buy it. It's just not worth it. So yep. the other, I have one more caveat. Oh, to what's put the on other there? caveat? What it's did I very forget? Small. It's a little, little, it's sort of an aside, but it's make sure whatever they're bringing is not expensive because chances of it getting lost or broken are high Mm -hmm. and it's not a treasure. It's not a thing that's not replaceable or that if something gets lost or broken, they're not going to be devastated. I think that's fair. That's fair. All right. So now that we've put out the the caveats and then one kind of overarching suggestion, what do you think is a good game? What game would you be happy to see come into your classroom for indoor recess from a kid? So I really, I actually ask parents to send in games for indoor okay. recess because they usually don't survive the season because <laughs> kids are rough on them. So I always need new games. I always ask for things that are very simple, that don't require reading or minimal reading and that their child is familiar with so they can be the, they can teach their friends. Mm-hmm. So things that have come in, I I have too many monkeys for my class. I love when they send in, even if they're mass market, um, shoots and ladders. Um, the kids love Connect Four. Um, we had I had one student bring in a, a Haba game. Um, I'm drawing a blank on what it was, but it was one of the very simple like age four and up Haba games that was a racing one, one of their older ones. But anything that's just simple, simple. But it depends on the age of the children. So for, you know, K1, 2, you want to minimize the reading because you're going to have a range of reading abilities and you want them independent. The big thing for indoor recess is you want the kids independent. Yeah. You can't be facilitating easily. Um, So for the little kids, minimal reading. For the older kids, once they're into, they can read a little more. They just have to be simple games. As much as in the hobby, we try to avoid the mass market games. This is sort of a good place for some of those because the chances of the other kids being familiar with them is much better. Kids like Uno, things like that. Something very simple that you can learn in, you know, 30 seconds. Sure. Okay. Um, but basically, you know, any any age, it needs to be something very simple, minimal pieces, you know, not huge, something smaller boxes better, <laughs> things like that. I like so, it. So I know that's not really a, a specific game, but no, you know what? I think that this makes sense, right? Like we, um, as board game hobbyists, 
tend to turn up our nose at the you know at mass market games. I mean, you and I are in a bunch of board game Facebook groups. How many times a week do we see the oh wow, who here doesn't like Monopoly? It's like, well, right. I mean, you're asking the wrong audience. <laughs> that's like you know, that's like going into like a new a, a New York Giants message board and asking who hates the Patriots. Like, of course they do. It's what like so, uh, but I, I agree with you. This is where the place that this is where that would fit in because um, you know what Monopoly Junior is probably not their treasured possession. It's certainly not yours, right? Like as a right. parent, and it's also cheap and easy to replace. And, you know, um, so no, I agree with you. Um, so, and I have to tell you, I made a simple, a a error with bringing in a game. I got super tooth for my class for recess. And it got, it was, it was too hard. Oh, no, it was too hard. There's too much reading. And with the, you know, there was just, it was too much. It was just a little bit too much. I mean, indoor, honestly, third grade. Third grade, it probably would have been a perfect fit, but I don't teach that. So, but it yeah. was one of those. It was too hard for my group. I also think, even without going into, it, we know the games we're playing, and we know like they don't have a lot of time. Right. So they probably spent. We have to assume that they spent five minutes getting a group and finding a game and agreeing upon it. Um, and so we got to minimize setup. Right. So that they can just get right down to business. So this is where the packs of Uno cards and things like that. What is your What are your thoughts on like noise, like specifically like dice games, like zombie dice, for example? Where do you come down on zombie dice? See, and it it depends. My tolerance of noise for a recess is different than other people. So my tolerance is pretty high as long as it is appropriate. Like they're doing the appropriate thing. If it's noisy because there's a bunch of dice rolling, I don't mind that. If it's noisy because the kids are like rolling the dice down, you know, across the floor, like halfway across the room and then crawling after it, that's a different issue. Um, so <laughs> there's ways to minimize that, though. Not that I've had that happen. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was a very also... that was a very specific thing that absolutely has happened. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying. Yeah, well, I also do a lot of math games during my center time and I do a lot of math games with dice. So okay. it happens a lot. Sure. Um, so ways to minimize that is if there's a softer surface for them to roll it on, if, you know, even if it's something as simple as like if there's a like a foam, something with foam, um, that can minimize some of the noise. But um, if they're not being crazy with shaking it and like, you know, throwing it down from height, it, the noise generally isn't bad. I mean, Connect 4 can get noisy when they reset. Yeah. Oh, but man. But that's only... It, it can, For but a few it that seconds. seems to be exactly. It's short, mm-hmm. um, so it just depends on. It also depends on the space they're in. If they're in a really, if you've got thirty kids in a small room because you've had a double up classes, that's different than if it's just one class in their room, or if you're in the library, or you know, it just it's going to depend on a lot of variables. Okay. So. So, basic guidelines: keep it simple. Yes. Keep it not special. Um, yeah, it's Kickstarter exclusive. Yeah, no Kickstarter exclusives. <laughs> um, Mass Market is likely your friend. I think I would send Connect Four every time. Personally, like I think that would just be my go-to because I don't know anybody that doesn't know how to at least mess around with Connect Four. Right. I mean, I can tell you right now in my recess collection, I've got 
Connect Four, I've got Guess Who, um, I've got Trouble. Um, of them, I'm trying to think what their mass market one. Oh, we have Candyland, everybody's favorite. I know again, another one that gets pinged hard by gamers, but but little, I mean, but if if you really need to just sit down and do a thing, right. and you can just talk about the like Pokemon while you play it, like who cares? You know, they, right. it's a beer and pretzel game for a first grader. So juice and pretzels. Whatever you know what I mean. It was. <laughs> Um, I know. It's an apple juice and pretzels game for a first grader. It's this they they play Candyland the way we would play like apples to apples. Right. It's just like it's a thing that happens while they're doing other stuff, which is great. Um yeah, I think this is all actionable advice. Let's keep it simple. Um let's keep it cheap so that way when it is inevitably lost, broken, stolen, um, pieces, yeah, scattered to the four winds um and stolen by gremlins. Um, you can just go get it again. Um, and you know, I think that, and, but ask the teacher first. Yeah, absolutely. Because, Please. I, I implore you. Because I'm <laughs> sure there's out. a teacher out there that's like, nah, I don't want that. Um, so this has been episode 195. Can you believe it? We're getting this close to episode 200. That's um, crazy. I should probably start planning that. Huh? Um, probably. Probably a good idea. So uh, this has been episode 195 of Engage of the Engaged Family Gaming Podcast. I should I got I'm changing the name. I got to start saying it right. Um, so uh, we hope you enjoyed listening as much as Linda and I enjoyed recording it. Um, welcome Linda back because she'll be back a whole lot more often now that the school year is starting and she works more. Who knows? It's weird. We talked about it at the top of the show. Um, so next week. We're talking about video games. Very likely, we will be talking about uh, some of the things that were announced at PAX West, like perhaps, maybe, theoretically, a release date for Untitled Goose Game. Um, maybe covering some rumors about Overwatch coming to the Nintendo Switch, among other shenanigans. Oh um, so, until next time, y'all have a great night, and don't forget to get your family game on. Bye now. Bye. Thank you for listening to Engage, a family gaming podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. Tune in next week.